2022. We made it. I think I want to slow walk into this one, though. The last couple of years have been a little uh, interesting, a little unique. Just kind of peek around the corner, make sure it's safe. Anyone else feel that way about jumping into a new year? I feel like, a, I feel like the last couple of years have been like one really long year. Uh, the world shut down for six months or so, kind of reopened, closed again, shut down, reopened again and again. And so 2020, 2021 has seemed like one really long year, and it can't get worse, can it? I think some of you are mad at me for even saying that. Uh, don't like that. Like, all right, let's wrap it up. 2023, here we come. But no, I, um, I think the last couple of years, I really felt kind of like those expectation versus reality memes, you know what I'm talking about? Like, this is what you expect something to look like, something to be, but this is what it actually looks like. This is, like, this, this is what you actually get. I have a few of them here. Let's take a look at this one. This is what dreams are made of, this nice, juicy Burger King hot dog. Who wants one of those for lunch? Anybody? Because this is what you actually get. Hmm. That make anyone hungry? No? No, okay. And the next one, uh, we'll take a look at this. You are going to uh, teach everyone how to build a snowman, probably not in Houston, but somewhere else. Nice top hat, scarf, buttons. But whenever you actually get out there to make it, it looks a little, a little like this. Uh, does, that, does that look familiar? <laughs> a little dirty. It's not quite as uh, pristine as this one. Let's take a look at the next one. You're going to take a nice cutesy picture when you go to travel, and you're trusting that your husband is going to take a good picture with a nice little backdrop, holding your hand, beautiful, show off to everybody the great places you've gone, but it actually looks something like this. Ah, can anyone relate? Get their hair pulled, nose, nose pulled. All right, the next one. You expect sleeping with pets to be nice. They're cuddly, they're soft warm. Uh, and don't be ashamed. How many of you sleep? I'll, I'll let your pets sleep in your bed. Anybody? A few? I bet there's a few more that are ashamed to say. Because you know that it's not actually like that. It looks something a little more like that. Yeah. Yeah, full of comfort. It's great. Best, best sleep of your life. I'd recommend it. All right, the next one. You need to do some shopping. You're going to get a rug, Amazon, two days will be here. Order a nice big rug for the living room. Comes in an itty-bitty box because it actually looks something like this. Uh, it wasn't quite what you hoped for, right? <laughs> a little bit different. Your expectation of something was very different than the reality of what happened in this one. Maybe you are going to have a New Year's resolution. You're going to start swimming. You have a bad back, so you need to loosen the joints up. You're going to be heroic, look great, great form. But you really look like this little guy. Just trying to keep your head above water, right? Eyes real big. You know, I feel like this kind of uh, summarizes what the last couple years have looked like, right? Just trying to keep our head above water. Everything else is going on around us. We're not sure what to do, how to take it, how to navigate it. Uh, well, as we jump into 2022, I know some of you are going to be mad at me for saying this, but I really do believe that 2022 could be the best year of your life. Yeah. There we go. Yeah, yeah. Now, some of you disagree because I said it. I've ruined it already. But hear me out. Because I think what, what the reality of our situation needs to be, there's a way in which our expectation and our reality, they can collide into one as we change our perspective. We look at things in a different way in 2022 and even the years beyond. And uh, 2022 is not going to be the best year of your life just because everything goes your way, Right? Uh, maybe it does, and that's fantastic, but everything's probably not going to go your way. 
you may not meet that special someone if you're not married. Uh, he may not ask you to marry him, even though you guys have been dating for 10 plus years. But dude, it's time, <laughs> right? Uh, just because uh, things don't go your way or you don't get the things that you want or that you hope for, or you don't get to retire when you're hoping to retire, whatever it may be, our 2022 and the years after can be the best year, the best years of our life. If we change our perspective, we start to look at stuff a little bit differently. You know, during the holidays, especially around uh, jumping into a new year, it's often a time for reflection. You know, what did you accomplish last year? What'd you do? What did you not do? The, the new year resolution became a new week resolution, ended in a week. You're like, ah, I'll try again next year, right? It was a good run. But when we step into a new year, we reflect and like when we reflect back, even on this, I would say, long year of 2020 and 2021, kind of combined into one, a lot of us can look back and say, you know, it was actually pretty good. It really, things went well. I got a promotion. Maybe I had kids. I've been trying for a long time. I got to retire. Got the kids out of the house. It's free, you know. It was a good year. Like, things went well. I really have no complaints. But uh, for many of us, uh, it's been hard, right? Like, a, a lot of us have had some difficult times over the last couple of years, whether you're furloughed for a while, you lost your job, there's just not consistency there. Uh, family has just been rough. I mean, we spent a lot of time with each other over the last couple of years. Uh, we get to know each other well. Um, maybe you've lost someone you love. Maybe you've lost multiple people. Uh, it's just a beat down. You're like the dog trying to keep your head above water, but something keeps pushing you down every single time you think you catch a break. So you're just trying to gasp for air, hoping that it turns around, thinking maybe 2022 will be different. But again, I'm going to peek in first. But for, I would say, most of us, in some way or another, the last couple of years have really been kind of an up and down, right? Like there's some great things that have happened, some things that we're really excited about, that we're good, we're thankful for, but also some really low points. And as I've reflected over the last couple of years, um, really it's forced me into a lot of self-reflection over even before that. I know for me, although 2020 and 2021 have had their challenges, uh, just like for all of us, I would say 2014 was really the most difficult time uh, for me in my life, just looking back, trying to process through a lot of loss. And if you've ever lost someone that's close to you, uh, you know that that's not something you just get over, right? Like, it's not just like, okay, well, you know, it's been four months. I guess we'll get on to, to life now. It's normal again. It's a process. And so over the last couple of years, I've been reflecting a lot. And I think that God has really revealed something to me about if my perspective changes, then everything can change in my life. And that's what I want to share with you this morning as we step into what it is that God has for us as we realize something about ourselves, as we really step into 2022 with confidence, knowing that there may be frustrations, there's going to be setbacks, some of us in this room will experience loss. That 2014, that was difficult for me. I mean, it, the year started out. It was great. I went on a vacation with my girlfriend at the time, now my wife, went with her family. So you don't know how that's going to go, but it was good. We got to bond. We all got to know each other well. It was fun. But a few weeks after that vacation, uh, we come home and my brother is rushed to the hospital. He has double pneumonia. Two months later, he passes away. Fast forward five months, my cousin dies as well from the same disease. Uh, both my brother and cousin had Duchenne muscular dystrophy. Uh, so they died in their 20s. 
Their body just wasn't able to keep up, wasn't able to fight things. I couldn't imagine what that would look like in in today's age. Uh, Today, going through all that we've been going through over the last last couple of years. But as we wrapped up 2014, um, um, my wife or or girlfriend at the time, we got engaged. It was a high point. We were excited for what the future had come. So there are high points, there are low points. As I've reflected over the last couple of years, I really think if we change our perspective about the difficult situations we face and the good things we face, that everything can shift as we go through what I want to call this morning, the realization. The realization of who we really are. The realization of who we are really meant to be. So I want to ask you, what if? What if 2022 really could be your best year? And even after that? Because it could be. If we change our perspective, if we change our mindset, if we walk through the realization of who God made us to be and who we were meant to be all along, realizing something really simple about ourselves. And it starts with this First question I want to pose, the first part of this realization I want us to walk through uh, is this right here. What if who I hope to be was always me? You know, we all desire some sort of greatness, whether it's to be great in our career, great in our profession, uh, great spouse, great friend, whatever it may be. We want to be good at the things that we do. But what if who you hope to be, that person that you wish you could be, the person you see in the future, the person you're like, man, if I could just do this, if I could be this person, then I will be content. But what if who you hope to be was always who you already were? What if everything you hoped to become, everything you hoped to experience, what if it was already within you? You just have to look at it a different perspective. We've seen Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, it says this. You'll see it on the screen. It says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. This spot where it says workmanship, uh, in, in, in other translations, it says masterpiece. That we are God's masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus for good works, to do the good things that he planned for us long Ago. And so the first part of the realization is for you to realize, to see yourself the way, not that other people around you see you, but the way that God sees you. And when God looks at you, what he sees is a masterpiece. You may be thinking, well, <laughs> maybe for other people, but not me. I'm definitely not a masterpiece. Master failure, maybe. I can mess a lot of things up. No, when God looks at you, he sees a masterpiece. The best version of you is within you. I don't know who needs to hear this, but you are not an accident. You're not a mistake. You're enough. Regardless of how you feel, regardless of how you think people look at you, regardless of what people tell you, regardless of the setbacks you've experienced in your life, you are enough because you are his workmanship. You are God's, the creator of everything's masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus to do the good things that he planned for you long ago. And so what we need to do as we realize this about ourselves is stop trying to live up to the expectations that other people place on our lives, but to live up to the expectation of knowing that God has already seen me and accepted me as a masterpiece. So I don't have anything I have to prove to anyone around me. Because I'm a masterpiece. 
There's this person that we all long to be, but God's saying that is already within you. But I need you to change your perspective and stop looking to the world, stop looking to other people to tell you who you are and where your worth is, but look to me. What if you're that person you hope to be in 2022? You start looking at things not, again, as the world sees you, but as your God, your Father in heaven sees you. God wants to use you, your past experiences, the good and the bad, in order to make a difference in this world. Now, hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that God has put you in a dysfunctional family, a place where you were abused or mistreated or uh, uh, taken advantage of in order for you to talk to other people that experienced something similar. Or that God put you in this abusive relationship so then you would uh, be able to escape out of it and then go be able to talk to other people that experienced something similar. I'm also not saying that God has made someone that you care deeply for, that you love, that was your best friend, pass away unexpectedly, just so you could go talk to someone else that has something traumatic happen to them. But what I am saying is that we have a God of redemption that can redeem any situation. And I think back to 2014, whenever I experienced that really difficult loss, when my brother had passed away five months later, my cousin dies. I was in this spot where it was difficult. It was frustrating. I couldn't stand it. And even now, as time goes on, if you've experienced loss, you know that it doesn't just leave. You have these little triggers that just hit you out of nowhere, these spurts where you don't know how to handle it, don't know what to do. And I get in this spot where I start thinking, I I hate that my brother had a disease. I hate that he was never able to meet my daughter. I hate that he died in his 20s. I hate all of these different things that he had experienced, but whenever I look at it from that perspective, all I am is filled with anger and frustration and disappointment. But what God is saying, whenever you look at things the way that I want you to look at it, you can look at that from this different perspective and see that you would not be the person that you are today without those different setbacks and frustrations and experiences and losses that you've experienced, that you've had. And I think of in my life, like, I wouldn't probably be here today in this room, if it wasn't for growing up with my brother, Matt. Like life wouldn't look the same way. Whenever I look at it from a different perspective, I can see that God had worked through my life, in my life circumstances and situations. And then I can use that to sit down with people that find themselves in a place of hopelessness, being lost, not sure what to do or what to expect, and say there is hope because there's a God that offers you a peace that does surpass all understanding. But that first part of our realization is saying, God has made you a masterpiece. Even if you're quirky, even if you're kind of weird, maybe you're really into sports, maybe you're kind of socially awkward, that's okay. Because God still says you are his masterpiece with all that included. What we need to realize is that to be that person that we hope to be, we have to step into the person that God has already made us to be. Which leads us to that second point of this realization I want us to walk through. It's, it's this right here. What if the hole inside my heart was too deep? Because we're striving to be this person that we hope to be, that we think the world wants us to be, that people tell us that we want to be. We start to try and fill our lives up, fill our hearts up, this hole in our heart with all of these different things. When we look to people, we're looking for approval. 
We think if this person just approves of me, if they like me, if they think I'm funny, if they think I'm cool, if they think I'm smart, and I'm approved by them, I start to feel worth. And because of that worth, I feel like this hole inside my heart that I can't explain, I don't understand, this longing that I have, it fills up. But I want to ask you, what if that hole in your heart is too deep to ever be filled? When we look to culture, we get caught in this comparison trap compare ourselves to all those other people around us. Compare ourselves to those maybe you graduated with, maybe those in the same industry as you, maybe those the same age as you. Compare your marriage to them, how they raise their kids. Uh, recently, uh, I saw it in kind of a funny way. Uh, my wife and I, we went for this really quick trip out of the country, and we go to this resort. It's nice, but I mean, it's not fancy, you know, it was, it was a good place though. And we, we, we sit there and uh, every single conversation that we overhear are people one-upping each other about this extravagant vacation they just went on. Like someone saying, I went scuba diving off of Malaysia in this really fancy place, you know, like the Barracuda Point. Okay, cool. The next person, well, I went to the Maldives for a month in, in a private villa. Well, I went on a four-month cruise with Viking Ocean. Like, guys, you're staying at the same resort I am. Like, this isn't Viking Ocean money. This isn't Maldives money. Like, this is, but okay, you know, but we do that so often in these little goofy settings that just don't matter. And we all do it, right? Or maybe even in our spiritual life, we do the same thing. I've sat in some, some classes uh, and hear people just talk about how great they are following God. Like, I, I woke up this morning at four and had a three-hour Bible study, two hours of prayer, served the homeless community downtown. Well, I sold everything I owned and became a missionary, you know, like, okay, like, what's it actually for? But we do, we catch ourselves in this comparison trap, and it's happened all throughout history, where we look for ways to fill this hole inside our heart that's too deep by comparing ourselves to others. We'll say, well, I'm at least I'm better than them. I'm not better than them yet, but I will. But it's always happened. We see in the book of Ephesians, a long, long time ago, whenever Paul wrote this to this church in this place called Ephesus, the same thing was happening. There were these two different groups of people. There were these Jewish Christians, and there were these Gentile Christians. And Gentile just means not Jewish. So there were two different kinds of Christians arguing about the way in which you actually have to be a Christian. And if you think about for them, this is all brand new. This is not something that had been going around for a while. Like they all knew all the details about it. But I think the problem is we see the same thing happening today. We have all of these different denominations, different groups of people, different opinions, different thoughts, arguing over the fine print. What's the point? Like we're all wrong in some way. But we do, we argue and we bicker and it's the problem because God has called us into something new and we look at things from a different perspective. Instead of trying to fill our, the hole inside our heart that we cannot fill with the things that we do, with the things that we accomplish, with the people that approve of us, with being right about all the things, we're walking away from what it is that God is calling us into, which is unity. That's why at at Community of Faith, we say we're multi-denominational. We want to welcome people from many different faith traditions, many different backgrounds, and rally around the essentials of being a follower of Jesus, saying, we will not agree on everything. That's okay, because we can talk about it. We can have dialogue about it. But, but again, in Ephesians, we see 
these Jewish Christians, these Gentile Christians arguing about what it takes to actually be a follower of Jesus, bickering amongst each other. And we see, starting in verse 11, you'll see it on the screen, it says, therefore, remember that formerly you, the Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision, so uh, uncircumcision and circumcision, what those are saying, it's a, referring to a covenant, a promise made by God to his people, to Israel. And so these uncircumcision, that's the Gentiles, the people that were not included in the family of God at this time, the uncircumcision by the so-called circumcision, which is performed by the flesh of human hands. Verse 12, remember that you were at that time separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel. That's the citizenship of Israel, the family that belonged to God, the group of people, the Jewish people. You were excluded from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were formerly far off, those that were Gentiles that were not included in that family, those who were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. The blood of Christ being the sacrifice that Jesus made for you and for me, for these people. You've been brought near because of what Jesus did, not because of what you did for yourself, but what he did for you. The next verse, verse 14 says, and for he himself is our peace who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall by abolishing in his flesh the enmity, which is the law of the commandments. The law that they were once following, he's saying there is something new in place of that as we continue in this oneness. Even though we were at one time separate, I am bringing you into one in unity to link arms, even though you come from different backgrounds, different experiences, understand things differently, contained in ordinances, so that in himself he might make the two into one man, thus establishing peace, verse 16, and might reconcile them both in one body to God through the cross by having put down to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to those who were far, peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have our access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. We were just singing about that the cornerstone of this one building, of this one unified people who say they're followers of Jesus. You are one to walk forward together, linking arms together with Jesus as the cornerstone, verse 21, in whom the whole building, one building, being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you are also being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. So what is being said here is we are one people. People that say, I am a follower of Jesus. We are one united. And what we've seen is we just fight and we argue about the littlest things. And what God is calling us into and what we need to step into as we stop trying to fill that hole inside our hearts is we need to step into having dialogue with people. And I don't know about you, I do this all the time, but I'm listening to what someone has to say, thinking of my response to them, especially in an argument, right? Like, oh, I'm going to get you here in a minute when you're done talking. But that's not dialogue. And I want to encourage you to write this down. Dialogue is being willing to be changed by what someone has to say. Again, dialogue is being willing to be changed by what someone has to say. So when you're listening to someone, you are not listening to respond, you're listening to be changed 
by what they have to say. And we've kind of lost sight of that. And when God says, I've called you into unity with one another, it is you need to be willing to be changed by what those that have to say, because what I want you to do is I want you to make a difference in this world. And that happens as you link arms together and you walk toward together to what God has for you. You say, I know that we have differences. I know that we don't agree. I know that you're wrong about this, but we're going to be unified because we have a mission. We have a goal. Yes, we have all been made a masterpiece, but it's to do the good things that God planned for us long ago, to step into making a difference, to caring for the people around us and actually doing something about what it is we're saying. But we have to do that in unity. That's why the Smart Home Series is so important. Because we need community surrounding us within our home and even outside of that in the extended portions of our life. Because if you think about the very first time that someone ever messed up, the very first sin, it's found in Genesis chapter 3. And you see that Satan approaches Eve. And what's he do? He talks to her. Sin happens. But the question is, why did Satan not go to both of them? He just went to one. It's because if Satan can get us out of unity, separated from each other, then he can infiltrate our lives and pull us away from what it is that God wants us to do. And that's why it's so important that we stay unified in what it is, because unity has to be more important than you. But that is hard, especially when we're trying to fill this hole in our heart that we can never fill up because we want to be accepted, we want to be approved But what God wants us to do is to step into that, to change our perspective, to realize that we are his masterpiece. We are his workmanship. We are the person we hope to be. This hole inside our heart is way too deep for us to ever be able to fill up, which is why the next part of what is in this realization is so, so important. And it's this right here. It's what if the love that I fought to feel was always free? You know, the great philosopher Aristotle, he said this of love when trying to describe it. He said that love is composed of a single soul inhabiting two bodies. The deepest longing that we have as people is love. We need love. It's in love we find confidence. It's in love we find comfort. It's in love we find hope. Even those Say, well, I don't need nothing from nobody. You probably need it more. Because we need love. God has designed us for love. And I want to I ask you, what if the love that you fought to feel was always free as you're trying to fill up this hole in your heart with the approval of others, comparing yourself to others, trying to be this person that you think the world wants you to be, that they say is success, that they say is the person you should be. What if that love that you're trying to feel, that you're fighting to feel, because ultimately what you're searching for is that love, what if it was free? In Christ, in Jesus, it is. But we think that we have to earn God's love by the things we do. Why? Well, that's how we earn the love of the people around us, right? When we look at God, when we think about God, we always look at it through the lens, through the perspective of how we see people in our lives. 
And so we think, well, if I'm a good person, if I do things right, if I don't do too many bad things, maybe if I read my Bible or if I pray every once in a while, I come to church a couple times a month, whatever it may be, then God is going to love me more. But in that same thought process, at the time in which you do something wrong, you think on the other side, well, if I do something wrong, if I mess up, then God loves me less. But that's not the case. Because what we see in the book of Ephesians, the beginning of that chapter, we see exactly the way that God views us. And again, what if the love we fought to feel was always free in Christ? He has given it to us as a gift. Let's take a look in verse one. It says, and you were dead. Dead meaning you were separated from God forever. You were dead in your trespasses and your sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the prince of the power of the air. That's talking about Satan, the the one in charge of things here that has dominion right now, but not forever. Uh, The prince of the power of air of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them, we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of our flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were still dead, even when we were separated from him forever, in our transgressions, he made us alive, what? Alive together. Alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved. Verse six, and he raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the ages to come, he might show the surpassing riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Jesus Christ. Verse eight is the centerpiece of everything of this verse, of this whole chapter. Eight and nine, it says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is a gift. It's a gift, a gift of God. Verse nine, not as the result of works, the things you do, so that no one may boast. You see this realization, this entire chapter in Ephesians, it talks about where we were. Then it talks about who you are. Verse 10, a masterpiece then about where I want to take you. That if we realize that we are the person we hope to be, the best version of ourselves is already within us as the masterpiece of God. We live in unity, not trying to fill that hole in our hearts with the approval of others, with comparing ourselves to others. And then we understand that it is by grace we have been saved through faith and not by the things that we do. We can start to realize something about ourselves that we've been striving so hard for so long in the wrong direction. And so when we think about 2022, that's how things can change. Because we start to see our life not as our own, but in a different perspective that you already have everything you need. That you have the creator of the universe that loves you, that cares for you, that is with you, that is beside you in all of the difficult seasons you're going to face because we are going to have difficulty come in this next year. And if it's not this next year, it will come again. But we can be prepared realizing that God is going to be with me, that I am his masterpiece regardless of what I face, regardless of what I experience. And I'm gonna walk in unity 
with other people that are walking in that same direction, realizing that it is not by the things I do, not trying to fill up that heart, that, that, that hole in my heart all by myself, but realizing that it's God that does that because the love that we fight to feel that's free did cost something. It's free to us because it costs Jesus everything. And although we can step into that as something that's free, it does cost us something as well. We step into it, it's free, but the reason it costs us something as well is because God is not looking for you to stay in the place where he first meets you. He's looking to mature you past that, and with maturity comes responsibility. He's not asking you to do all these things first before you have it. It's free, it's a gift. But you do have responsibility that comes with the maturity of following him. It's free to us, but Jesus gave everything for it. And maybe you come here all the time, here every weekend, here most weekends. Maybe you're here because your parents made you come. Maybe just kind of wandered in, thought, I'll give it a shot. It's not a New Year's resolution, I'm just going to check it out, you know. But the most important decision we can make is to stop striving for all this meaningless stuff. And to accept that free gift that we have of making Jesus the boss of our life, saying, God, I want to go your way and not my way. And maybe you haven't made that decision. Well, it's, it's simple. You just say, God, I admit that I've made mistakes. But today I give you my heart. I give you my life. Now give me the power to live for you. And you start walking in that with other people doing the same thing. But it's a gift that's given to you for free. Or maybe at some point in time you did, and then you stepped away, and you've, everything has been a wreck since. And you're here, and you're saying, well, I want to step back into that. Well, you can. You just say, God, I, I've made mistakes, but today I want to live for you. And I want to continue to do that. And I need people to surround me to lift me up because we can't do it by ourselves. Again, when we pull out of unity, that's when Satan infiltrates our life and gets us separated from everyone else. That's why he did it that way. Originally, when he very first interacted with Adam and Eve, he made sure that they were not together because in unity, it is harder to pull us away from what it is that God has for us. So take a breath. And as you think of 2022, my hope for you, our hope for you, is that you remember, you realize who you really are and who you're meant to be by understanding you are a masterpiece, the best. Not because of the things you do, not because of what you've built, but because of what God is building in you. So you step into that life as we do that together. Again, that's why we want to step into this Smart Home series. If you try to do it all by yourself, it's going to fall apart. It is. So invite people to come alongside you, to be a part of it with you. Even as you leave today, you're going to see these door hangers. Take a stack. Put these on your neighbor's door. Bother them with them. You know? No, don't bother them with them. But share it with other people. Because we can't do this alone. Take a stack of these. Invite people to come alongside you because we were never intended to do this life alone. And so I want to leave you with remembering that we are the person we hoped to be as we see ourselves in Christ. We also have a hole inside our heart that is way too deep for us to ever fill and the love that we fight to feel from trying to fill that hole up. It's free. We step into that, step into this new year 
and into our future and things can change. Because again, God wants to work a miracle in your life, in our community, as we say, I'm going to realize something about who I am and who I was meant to be. Uh, Let's pray. God, we pray. We pray for redemption in this year. We pray for hope. We pray for freedom. Pray that this year really is one of our best years, if not the best. God, we want to step into who you've called us to be, who you want us to be, who you've designed us to be from the very beginning so that we can do the good things that you planned for us long ago. God, let us be reminded of that. Let us rally other people around us in unity, linking arms, walking toward what you have for us. Understand that we can't do this by ourselves, but in you, we can truly be who we are meant to be all along. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.